Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. There are many cancers out there and we need lots of different treatments. Now to deal with all the varying types of cancer, there's not one universal silver bullet to cure it. And we have lots of different treatments in our arsenal, but all of them come at a price. Is there a way we can improve that, reduce the impact on patients and develop newer and better types of treatments? One of the hardest parts about handling cancer from a treatment perspective is that there's not just one disease you can target. There's many different types and forms of cancer that present themselves in different ways, are located in different parts of your body, and behave or respond to different treatments in different ways. All of these things together make it quite difficult to actually design a universal treatment for cancer. So, what do people do? Well, the main foundation of all cancer treatments are one of normally three categories. Surgery, removing a particular region or tumour. Chemotherapy, where you use chemical dosing to kill target parts of the cells. And radiation therapy, where you do the same thing, trying to kill the cancerous cells, but with targeted radiation. These are the most common and basic forms of treatment that we have. They're all not particularly pleasant and very challenging for the person going through them. And sometimes they're not all required. One approach may be fine. You might need to sometimes though use all three. Now, in the 2000s, there were new developments. These are targeted therapies. You may have heard of couple, and these are drugs that are specifically designed to find and kill certain types of cancer cells. These drugs were then designed specifically to look for specific molecular changes that make those cells different from regular healthy cells. And on the market now are dozens of targeted therapies that work really well for many cancers because we can design an easy way of finding those cells and going after them. The problem with this targeted therapy-based treatment is that, well, it requires you to have the right conditions and the right type of cancer. It's not easy. It works well in some cases, but not for all. Thus, if you're lucky, it works great for you. But otherwise, you may have to turn your attention somewhere else. And researchers have been spending a lot of effort, probably in the past decade, of focusing on immunotherapy. Now, immunotherapy is pretty cool. Your body already has an immune system, and that immune system is often used to attack things that are wrong or problematic in your body. For example, rogue cells, like in the case of cancer. And immunotherapy is designed to strengthen the power of a patient's immune system to help it attack those tumor and cancer cells. This is now quite common as a fifth pillar or foundation of cancer treatment because there's plenty of immune system boosting drugs that show the ability to shrink or even eradicate tumors in some people, even with advanced cancer. Now, there aren't many drugs available and there aren't many trials that have been taken of this. But 
what has been done is shown that in a small percentage of patients, just with, with the immunotherapy treatment, they can have responses, really beneficial responses, getting rid of suppressing cancers that can last for years. That is amazing in terms of an achievement. There are drugs that are immune checkpoint inhibitors, for instance, that can be used to treat people with many types of broad types of cancer like melanoma, lung, kidney, bladder, and lymphoma cancer. But that's just one area of an immune system booster. There's another area that's a bit more substantially advanced and tricky than the other forms. And it's been researched quite actively. And in about 2017, there are around six of this new type of treatment that actually have been approved for use in humans. This is so-called cumuric antigen receptor T-cell therapy. Now, this is a spectacular form of treatment when it works. But the problem with it, and even though we have drugs where it's shown to work successfully, is that it can come with some pretty nasty side effects. Now, there are six that are currently improved, and the way that the cumuric antigen receptor T-cell therapy works is it transforms cells in your body, these antigen receptor T-cells, and makes them, modifies them to specifically go after and target cancer cells, meaning that your body's immune system is trained, modified in some form to make it a super fighter of getting rid of cancer. Sounds cool, but there are drawbacks. And as I said, it's a relatively new type of treatment. We're talking the last five, six years, we've actually even seen it in use in a non-just research setting. And the problem can be that these therapies can come with some pretty nasty side effects and potentially even lethal. There's one in particular, cytokine release syndrome, CRS, and neurotoxicity. These, when they happen, can cause all kinds of symptoms, ranging from high fevers and vomiting all the way down to multiple organ failure and patient death. Now, to be clear, these treatments are pretty nasty if they get out of hand, and there are stringent assessment processes, hence by the places like the FDA, to actually make sure they can be approved for use. But the problem is really, you want to use them more widely. So you want to try and minimize these side effects as much as you can to help ensure that the patients have the best chance of survival. Normally, at the moment, these are often only used when there's no other real alternative and all other solutions have been exhausted. Then people are more willing to roll the dice on something with some pretty nasty side effects. But if there was a way to minimize that toxicity, minimize that cytokine release syndrome, well, then actually they would be a pretty powerful tool. The problem is, how do you get rid of all of that toxicity potential and also the potential to cause a cytokine release storm. That's what researchers, including Michael Mitchell, associate professor in the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences at UPenn, have just published in the journal Nature Materials. It's interesting to think that in many ways, designing these types of treatments is so cross-disciplinary beyond the realm of just medicine. And we're gonna find out exactly what they have tried to do to help make this CRT approach less dangerous for the patient.
Let's take a moment to just talk about how CART works when it's applied to a patient. You would first start by taking some blood from the patient. You do this to get the T cells of the immune system. You then make the chimeric, the CAR T cells, in the lab. You insert a gene, basically, for the CAR, this chimeric response, into those T cells. And you then make this CAR T cell, which has the CAR protein and then the rest of the immune response attached. You then grow those, millions of them, in the lab, put it into an IV bag, and then infuse that CAR T cells back into the patient. So in this case, all of these treatments are actually done per the individual and grown for the individual. Once they're back inside the body, they then start to bind to the cancer cells, go after them and kill them. It's not the same as like a normal medicine. In this case, the body's immune cells, the T cells, are enhanced, modified, grown and expanded, and then sent back in. It's in many ways, as often researchers call it, giving patients a living drug. And this customization for each individual patient is pretty cool. It also gives new treatment options often where things weren't possible before, especially in cases like leukemias. Now, these are why people are interested in this CRT cell therapy, but trying to get it to work less dangerously for the patients is the problem that researchers have been looking at. In particular, the lead author on this paper was Ning Kiang-gong, along with others from the University of Pennsylvania. What happens when those CAR T cells get back into your body is they interact with the rest of the immune cells called your macrophage. And the problem is that they can actually overactivate the macrophages in your body. This is not good because what can happen then is your body freaks out and releases a huge amount of toxic cytokines. Now, normally the release of cytokines is fine, but when it gets into a cytokine storm or uncontrolled release of them, then basically your immune system starts going nuts and wiping out everything. And this is not good for your living cells as well as anything around it. The release of these toxic cytokines and the basically the cytokine release syndrome or neurotoxicity that develops afterwards is really tricky. So controlling that CAR T macrophage interactions is really hard because once it's inside the body, this drug, living drug that you've developed is outside of your control. So instead of trying to tackle it in a biological sense, they turned to materials engineering. And the reason why they did this is well, if they can't change how it's going to interact or focus in the body, what they can at least do is try to minimize the risk of this happening. And materials engineering is great because they've already made this living drug in the lab. So if you coated it or somehow protected it in some way, maybe you can minimize the impact. And they did this by coming up with a way of using a sugar molecule and incorporating that into the surface of their CART cells. Now, these sugars are then used as a reactive handle and creates a biomaterial coating around the cells directly inside the body. It acts as almost a suit of armor. This suit of armor is helpful because it prevents dangerous interactions between the CART cell and the macrophages present in your immune system and body. 
they attach the sugar molecule to the CRT cells using metabolic labeling. It means that they can enable the CRT cells to still attack cancer cells, but the sugar coating is there still just to protect it. When the symptoms of a cytokine release storm begins to manifest, they introduce another molecule, polyethylene glycol, and that creates a further suit of armor, which will effectively block the interactions between these CART cells, the macrophages, and the tumors themselves. Now, it's a great invention that this team have developed, not just because it makes it less likely to cause toxicity and cytokine release syndrome inside the body. It also has some other advantages in terms of opening up how and when you can treat. Now, their approach is more than just that safety net and suit of armor. It also gives some new potential windows for therapeutic treatment. Now, one of the things that's important is tumor cells, CIRT cells, and macrophages all are different sizes. Now, the tumor cells and the CIRT cells are typically small, and that's around the 5 to 10 micro range. There's the macrophages, macro, suggesting from the name there that they're much larger, over the, greater than 20 microns in size. And what they see is that as these coatings starts to delude and wear off as over, over time in the body and the cells adapt, they actually are still able to interact with the tumor cells. So the CRT cells are able to hunt those tumor cells without actually interacting at all with the macrophages. So that actually gives a chance for the CRT cells to target and kills cancer cells without actual any interaction with the mac macrophage, which means you avoid that overactivation and you there can minimize the risk of triggering that cytokine release syndrome storm and building up all that neurotoxicity. It means that you can have a new window of potential use for the, these drugs as well in different types of cancers at different times. Now, this is really, really early stuff. And in general, when we're talking about chimeric antigen response T-cells, this is a great coming treatment for cancer. There's still many things to work out, how to make it safer, how to make it less dangerous for the patients and making it apply to more types of cancers. And then once you've done all of that, you then need to get, of course, all the approvals to mean that you can use them in a variety of scenarios. All of this is, of course, yet to come, but it shows that when it comes to cancer, you need more than just one tool, and researchers are actively working on several, and finding ways to not only improve the tools that we have right now, but make them safer and less debilitating for patients. This is some great research published in the journal Nature Materials, with lead author on this paper, Ninkang Kong, along with others from the University of Pennsylvania under the direction of Associate Professor Michael Mitchell. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we found out about CART cells and how they can be used and carefully managed to ensure that they don't hurt the body when treating cancer. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.